listening to a little more conversation. I'm Ben O'Hara Byrne. Lots of wildfire activity to talk about tonight. Thousands of people were on the move again today, forced out of their homes by wildfires or the threat of wildfires in both BC and in the Northwest Territories. Late today, BC's Premier David Eby declared a province-wide state of emergency to help cope with what he called unprecedented wildfires that have forced a fast-growing number of people out of their homes on Friday alone. Global News reporter Richard Zussman has the latest on a very tense night in Kelowna, where a lot of this fire activity is happening, specifically in West Kelowna. We hear from those already evacuated about their experiences and what they're living through there tonight. And former wildland firefighter Kyle Britton is with us to talk about what he saw in West Kelowna overnight into Friday, why he called it one of the most stressful um, times he's ever spent in and around a fire and why it's proving such a volatile and tough one to fight. But first, Yellowknife is a ghost town tonight, and that is a good thing. After almost all the people living in the capital, about 19,000, made their way south, away from the Northwest Territories by air or road after an evacuation order was issued late Wednesday. Mayor Rebecca Alti is still in Yellowknife tonight, and she joins me to talk about the evacuation and the fire threat to the city that still remains. What a week. Uh, We started this week talking about uh, talking to someone in Kingston, Ontario, but a harrowing escape from the wildfires that devastated Lahaina and Maui. And here we are this week. It feels like the fire stories have just kept accumulating and accumulating. Thousands of people on the move again today, forced from their homes to escape the threat of wildfires, both in the Northwest Territories. We've been talking about that for several days now. And now all eyes on BC's southern interior in and around the city of Kelowna. In the last hour, BC's Premier David Eby declared a province-wide state of emergency in response to what he called unprecedented wildfires that have forced the evacuation again of thousands more people just in the last few hours alone. And we'll head to Kelowna in the next half hour for the very latest from there. But let's start in Yellowknife, which is being described as a ghost town tonight as people have fled the capital of the Northwest Territories in the face of flames, now about 15 kilometers from the outskirts of the city. Ghost town being a good thing. That was the plan when the evacuation was ordered late Wednesday. The deadline to evacuate was today at noon mountain time. Uh, Firefighters face crucial days in the battle against those wildfires that are threatening Yellowknife. Fire Information Officer Mike West says winds could push the flames even closer to the city over the weekend. We've got some critical and challenging days ahead. Today we expect northwest winds, tomorrow west to northwest. Both of those would push the Beshikal and Yellowknife fires in directions that uh, we wouldn't want them to go. We're going to have aircraft in the air, we're going to have boots on the ground, and we're going to be doing everything we can to slow the growth of that these fires and uh, keep these communities safe. And with so many people out of harm's way, of course, people leaving by plane today. Commercial airlines added more flights from Yellowknife to the south. And more than two dozen air evacuation flights were scheduled for those who aren't able to drive south. And many have made that very long drive. Thousands of people have made the drive from Yellowknife south to Alberta, going to places uh, such as Red Deer and Calgary and so on, and places further north as well. There are many centres open uh, to welcome those fleeing the fires and a lot of people staying with family as well. Back in Yellowknife, Kieran Testart was going door to door earlier today to check on people and says services in the community are slowly shutting down. We still have a few. We have a pharmacy, we have the grocery store, and we have the gas stations at least until Saturday. After Saturday, all bets are off. Um, We have one bar that's still open and has pledged to stay open. And it's kind of like having a pint at the end of the world. 
There you have it. Uh, we spoke with Yellowknife's Mayor Rebecca Alti on Tuesday night as this was still uh, in the maybe stage. Now it's very much in the done stage or still in the process of being done stage. And she joins us again this evening. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much. Not a problem. Where are you tonight? Are you, You're still in Yellowknife, I presume. I'm still in Yellowknife, yes. Um, myself and the city's emergency management crew are still here. And uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of work happening on the ground when it comes to the the fire breaks, you know, removing all those trees to be that buffer between the the, uh, the fire and the community. Um, as well, we've, you know, our, our fire department it will be here providing support uh, if the fire makes it to our community and, um, you know, is threatening any buildings. Our fire department's here. Uh, we've also got support from a number of different fire departments. So I think we have grown up to 75, from 25 to 75, um, so 50 extra firefighters came in to provide support to our crews. So uh, continuing to stay here with the, the rest of the essential workers. Right. I mean, trying to move 20,000 plus people out of, out of a city in the matter of, uh, you know, 48 hours is no small feat. Uh, what is the situation now? How has it gone? I understand you thought it went a little bit slower than you would have hoped, uh, but it's ongoing. And, and how would you assess it so far? Yeah, it uh, it turned out really well. Over two days, over nineteen thousand people have evacuated Yellowknife. So, um, the the big thing that worked in our favor was that the highways continued to remain open. Um, you know, Mother Nature's forecast is is always tough. We were based on the winds. Um, it could have been that the the highway got shut shut down on Thursday, and so we would have only had a a day to to leave by highway. And then we would have had to do a lot more flights by by air. Um, so to date, we have about 1,600 residents left who aren't essential workers, and we're really encouraging them to please pack your bag, head out on the highway. Um, if you don't have a vehicle, we still have the the uh, flight evacuations. So just head over to Sir John High School ASAP. We really encourage people to leave. Um, you know, it, it is a threat, the, the fire, and we want to make sure that that crews can focus on fighting that and not having to, to save residents. So really encouraging those uh, the last few folks who, who don't need to be here, please leave ASAP. How, do you have a sense of how many of the people that are still there are there because they can't get out but want to or just don't want to leave? This is the... the don't want to leave yet. So um, we continue to offer flights today and and tonight. Uh, so everybody who wants to get out will be able to get out today. Um, but this the the sixteen hundreds the the stronghold of not looking to leave yet. So again, really encouraging folks. The smoke is going to get thicker. Uh, the grocery stores are going to be shutting down to to non essential folks. So. You will be on your own. You won't have uh, supplies come um, come Saturday. Come Saturday. Uh, how has it gone with? Because I know that. I mean, obviously, moving a lot of people out. You've had you've had people that were in long term care. You've had people who were unhoused. You've had people who had no means to get out by themselves. And trying to move all those people out by plane is certainly no again no small feat. Uh, how has that gone? Because I understand there's been sort of an increase in the pace of those flights going out uh, today. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of work um, yesterday on the on priority residents getting out. So folks who are um, unhoused, uh, residents with medical con- conditions, the seniors and elders, 
Um, and, you know, there was folks driving around just patrolling the streets, seeing if anybody is on the streets and, and looking to get a ride over to the, the high school for a flight. So um, there was uh, a number of volunteers that really stepped up to, to just drive around and, and pick people up to, to bring them to the evacuation centre. Right, but still 1,600 people, you said, who've decided to stay put for the time being, at least. I understand, of course, you're not going to force people to leave, at least not at this point. Yeah, no, we can't force people to leave, but folks are, you know, they're they're kind of taking the risk into their own hands, and and you are going to have uh, a reduction in services coming up here. The the food and gas is, is going to be for the essential workers, so um, folks will be on their own if, if they continue to, to hold out. Um, so again, really encouraging folks while the highway is still open, head out. What must it be like to be in Yellowknife now? I mean, this is your city. You're the mayor. Uh, I, I see that your mom, I was reading that your mom has been, has been, has gone as well. So yep. it, what, what a strange time to be there. I mean, this has been a week like no other. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, it's been a, a wild week. Uh, it felt a little bit like I managed to, to, have a bit of time today to just drive around and also to, to make sure everybody had left and see if anybody needed a ride. And um, it was, you know, a ghost town. It had a bit of a, a COVID-esque feel where everybody had to kind of shelter in place for two weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got uh, word that there's a, a bear now uh, out in one right. of the neighborhoods. So, um you know, everybody's been worried about looters, but I think right now it's it's just that black bear that's been wandering around out there. Yeah, tell me about that, because I know that people that we've spoken to, I mean, there's always a concern when you leave all your possessions, most of your possessions in your home behind, when people leave businesses behind, there's always concern about what might happen when no one's watching. Uh, how do you protect against that uh, at this point? Yeah, so the RCMP uh, have remained, and they've actually brought up more um, members. So they've just been doing patrols of the of the city, and you know, as a reduction of the number of um, residents here, they're able to to just focus on doing those patrols. And so, when I was out today, um, that's what I saw. It's just like RCMP officer after RCMP officer cruising around the neighborhoods to to make thing make sure things are okay. Uh, as of last night, there was. Um, only one report of of uh, somebody breaking a window on a house. Um, not you know, not sure if it was necessarily a break in or if it was some sort of something. Um, something, yeah. But uh, yeah, um, but there's no looting, and uh, I know rumor mill likes to to get going, and and the story can grow, but um, that's not not happening, and RCMP are going to continue to patrol this weekend. We're in Yellowknife this half hour with the city's mayor, Rebecca Alti. It's a city much changed over the last 48 hours, as the mayor was saying. Uh, 19,000 of the city's 21,000 or so uh, residents have left, as were as was expected when uh, the evacuation order was issued late Wednesday. Uh, a lot of people heading south by car. It's a long drive, but a lot of people, of course, we've been hearing that people have made it, which is good news. And of course, a lot of uh, air activity going on as well, both people being ferried out of Yellowknife and also a lot of uh, activity with water bombers and so on in the area. Uh, Rebecca, there's been, I mean, as always, there is hindsight here. There's been some criticism that it, that it took a bit too long, that information coming from the territory government wasn't um, wasn't adequate perhaps we've been hearing some complaints from people arriving in Alberta uh, is that fair from you Sid? do you th- do you think that uh, that this went as according to plan or would you like to have seen things go a little faster 
Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, for whether to call the evacuation on Wednesday or earlier, some people think it's later, everybody's going to have their, their opinion on that. And that's where, you know, we've got subject matter experts who were very intimately um, involved and, and know fires and the behavior and take all that stuff into consideration. And so you base it on the, the subject matter experts' recommendations. So um, that's where, you know, we, we issued the notice on Wednesday. Um, we're here Friday. The fire is still, you know, a good distance from the community. The highway is still open. The evacuation has been complete. So I don't think we would have done it any earlier. Again, you know, you, you look at the, the information that you have in front of us, same to the folks who think we've called it too early and it should be waiting, is, you know, Mother Nature trying to, you take a look at the forecast, but that's not 100%. So I think uh, we've got to continue to listen to the experts. And tell me a bit about the fire, because we've heard a lot from Mike Westwick, obviously, over the last uh, several days. And, and uh, he seemed to say, of course, that, uh, that with the winds blowing the way they are, that uh, the threat is far from over. Yeah, uh, we did get a lot of uh, gusting winds today going up to 50 kilometers an hour. Um, So this is one of the the stronger days this week. Well, Sunday was a strong day. The others were kind of like 25 to 30 kilometers. And then today's back up to that 50 kilometers. And uh, unfortunately, the wind is, you know, pushing the the fire towards Yellowknife. And Mother Nature just keeps, or, or the weather app just keeps dangling this carrot of, there'll be rain tomorrow. Um, and we're not getting it. So that's uh, a bit of a challenge. But, you know, the silver lining is that the the territorial government, the the territorial firefighters have been able to do a lot of work up in the air on that fire suppression with the water bombers. So um, the fire hasn't been growing too much, but again, today's been a really windy day, so we'll have a better sense of um, how far the fire's moved uh, tomorrow. As, as for when, I know this is probably a bit premature, but as for when people can actually come back, how do you even assess that? I know it's the territorial government that will make that decision, but how does how is that even assessed? Is there is there sort of a line where you decide, okay, the fire is is now contained enough to allow people to come back, or or will there it'll definitely be some time because you're just going to wait for uh, for a while to see to make double sure. Uh, it's a similar risk assessment that we do to call the order that we do to remove the order. Um, the the thing that I would say would be different is if the fire makes it to the community, then you have to start analyzing, um, you know, has it taken down any core infrastructure, like, um, heaven forbid, it, it makes it to our water treatment plant because right. then we don't have clean drinking water for residents. That case is, is pretty unlikely just based on where our water treatment plant is, but you have to take a look at variables like that. Are we going to be able to provide um, the safety and the health of residents when they come back, as well as the risk of the forest fire? Right, because that in itself, the return too, will be a, will be a huge logistical challenge, I would imagine, although you probably with, with slightly less time pressure, but still, uh, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to, to, to leave a community and have to come back, and hopefully they can come back to, to an unchanged Yellowknife. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, even we're in the midst of evacuating, and the, the teams were already starting today, uh, the, the return plan. So getting okay. you know some, some of that planning work underway. Um, like you said, it, it will be a challenge. Um, you know, when folks drive, they'll just drive up, and it probably will be, well, it will be a bit less um, 
less of those lineups at the gas station since folks will be coming from various different parts of the of the country. Um, right. But when it comes to flights, there's been um, you know people evacuated to Whitehorse, Edmonton, Calgary, and Winnipeg now. So um, a bit of a logistics to to get everybody back home. Right. And just for you, uh, how is your mom? Is she okay? And and, and you? You're just going to stay? You're just going to stay for as long as it takes? Yeah, yeah, no, my mom's good. She's uh, she's down uh, in Calgary, luckily, with my, my younger sister, so uh, she's able to stay with her, and um, it's a, a big relief uh, for me to, to, you know, know my family's safe. Um, yeah, myself and the emergency management team will continue to remain, and, you know, just right now, it has started to rain. Oh, wow. Um, here, yeah, here's to hoping, please, just continue to rain all night, but... I won't hold my breath. It might just be a little pitter-patter. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's been a, a long week, long days. It feels like I'm sprinting a marathon, so I'm hoping to get some sleep tonight. Well, uh, we'll let you get to it. Rebecca Alti, as always, thank you so much. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. In uh, just the last 24 hours, the situation has evolved and deteriorated quite rapidly. We've gone from about 4,500 homes under evacuation to about 15,000 homes, families being evacuated from their homes across the province. We have tens of thousands more across the province on evacuation alert. British Columbia's Premier David Eby uh, in the last hour or so declaring a province-wide state of emergency. We're moving. We were in Yellowknife in the last half hour where they've evacuated 19,000 people from that city. We're heading south by southwest, about 1,400 kilometres now to Kelowna, where the wildfire situation is dire. Again, BC's Premier David Eby declaring that province-wide state of emergency in response to what he calls unprecedented wildfires that, again, as he mentioned, have forced the evacuation of thousands of more people just in the past few hours. Uh, Eby says, again, the situation situation has evolved and deteriorated. Um, Emergency Management Minister Bowen Moss says the number of people under evacuation order in BC went from 4,500 to 15,000 in a matter of an hour today. A further 20,000 people, as mentioned, under evacuation alert. So it is bad. Um, This is, again, as uh, the fire chief in West Kelowna, where the fire has really been raging uh, since yesterday, said there were a significant number of properties destroyed. uh, And the situation there remains very unpredictable. The next few days, BC Wildfire Service says, will be challenging, perhaps the most challenging they've seen in this fire season due to the gusting winds. And those extreme conditions are expected to last at least over the next 36 hours. Again, the McDougal Creek wildfire really erupted yesterday, and they now estimate it at about 10,500 hectares. It has grown exponentially over the last 24 hours. West Kelowna's fire chief spoke to the media earlier today about what happened last night, and he says it felt like they fought 100 years of fires all in one night. It's not done. As I, I mentioned, driving here, the crews are dug in right now at 10 in the morning the same way they were dug in at two in the morning last night, uh, trying still madly to save the houses uh, that are are being threatened. Uh, We're we're in the thick of it right now, if we ever have been, and today's gonna be a challenging day again. 
And it certainly has been. That's Chief Jason Broland. He's uh, West Kelowna's fire chief. Just to remind you that Kelowna, the greater Kelowna, Kelowna area, has about 235,000 people in it. And Kelowna itself home to about 150,000 people. So a big spot. And in the summer, a busy spot with tourists. Flights have been canceled. The airspace is closed around the airport there in order to allow for aerial firefighting. Global News reporter Richard Zussman is in Kelowna tonight. He joins us now. Richard, thank you so much for your time tonight. Yeah, Ben, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell me a bit about just getting there, because I know you arrived today. Um, you, you must have gone. It must have been quite the sight as you pulled in. Yeah, so clearly jarring. You know, we traveled uh, from where you are in Victoria to Vancouver and then on the road uh, here to Kelowna. And as you, soon as you travel over the Coquihalla, for those familiar with traveling these roads, you are engulfed by smoke. Uh, and then you start um, entering those areas where you see the very intense burning and that smoke uh, turns into that very dense black smoke uh, right at the heart of the fire. Uh, in one point in West Kelowna, uh, we saw a fire break out. Um, planes were overhead, uh, dropping water. Police were arriving on the scene as that was unfolding. Uh, we've also spent a lot of time at evacuation centers, uh, hearing from people who have had their homes uh, destroyed, and then obviously listening to the Premier at 615, and that word you mentioned, deteriorating, is the one that clearly stands out here. This is a situation that is getting worse by the hour. People are bracing for what's ahead of us tonight here in this community. Uh, as the fire yesterday jumped from West Kelowna over here to Kelowna, uh, and that is leading to widespread evacuations as well, and even deeper concern about the loss of property as they urge people to get out of their homes. And you mentioned this is a hugely popular place to visit in the summer. People are still coming. The advice from the province, if you are listening anywhere here in this region, do not come. Do not come to Kelowna. Do not come to this part of British Columbia. They need the hotel rooms in order to ensure that people have a place uh, for the evacuation. Do not come. Yeah, it's hard to imagine people would still be coming, but you never know these days, right? I mean, it, it, things, it never ceases to surprise. Uh, tell me, but I mean, it feels like watching it from afar that it's been kind of a game of very dangerous whack-a-mole for the fire departments today yeah. because these fires just keep popping up. Uh, there was one at the landfill today, and it just feels like they, they must be so, I don't want to use the word overwhelmed, but it's overwhelming. Yeah, it is overwhelming. We're just jumping in our car now to head sure. to one of the areas where we've been notified. We'll keep chatting, obviously, as I had there. Uh, but that's exactly it. It is like whack-a-mole. We are seeing more sites uh, where fires are appearing. Crews are getting to those fires. And these are crews that are exhausted. They are using local fire crews. They are using provincial firefighters. They are using crews from all around the world that are coming to support. And even so, the resources are stretched incredibly thin. And so it's that challenge of, yes, a fire pops up here, and then what happens next? Like, where is the next fire going to be, and how do we fight it? And that's what they're so worried about tonight, is as they uh, put the planes down on the ground because they can't head out in the evening, uh, what Mm. impact does that have on keeping the fires down? Right. Of course, we saw that. I mean, you must have seen the images from last night as well. I mean, it was it yeah. was hard to describe. I mean, it, it looked like something out of, out of out of the apocalypse. Right. And I guess that's the fear is that will happen again tonight. How what, what are people telling you on the ground? I mean, what is the obviously there's been a lot of people on the move again just in the last few hours. There's basically just two things people say, Ben. First off, is, is my home OK? You know, they come to us. 
thinking that we right. have some secret information that's being held from them. You know, we're getting the same information they are, but there is a desperate need to know, is my home okay? And the second thing you hear from everyone is, I am thankful I am still here and my loved ones are still here. And there was that feeling at points yesterday and into today uh, that there could have been uh, catastrophic outcomes here. And uh, there is still worry that over the next 24 to 48 hours, that can be the case. So you're hearing from people that sense of worry about what their property, what is going to happen to their home. Uh, and they're worried about their neighbors. Uh, and there's encouragement at all levels for when that evacuation order comes for your community, get out. Even just on our way here, Ben, we saw a number of RCMP officers heading this way, presumably to help with this firefight as they are preparing potentially for more evacuations to inform people of that and to ensure that those communities are as safe as they can be. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the wind, because that's one thing you notice. And, yeah. you know, yeah. if, if you work in this business, you always hear the wind in clips, right? And the wind has been <laughs> prominent in every single piece of voice I've heard come out of Kelowna today. And, and what is so wild about this, Ben, is we've had this incredible hot, dry spell over the last four or five days, a heat wave in British Columbia, and now it's being replaced by cool weather. And because of that, it is creating uh, this incredible mix of wind that is uh, impossible to predict and is blowing in all sorts of different directions uh, and it changes very quickly. And one of the things that stood out for me is Cliff Chapman, the head of the wildfire service here, said all the work that they have been doing for months to create containment around fires is all gone now because the fire would then switch and go the other way and the containment is now broken. And that erratic wind is what's causing so many problems here. And it's because of that very unique weather event we're experiencing. Yeah, I, I guess through the, this is this will be the night, right? People must be just on tenterhooks there this evening because yeah, we saw what happened last night. I just don't think there'll be a lot of sleeping here tonight, especially for people in these communities right near the fire. If they don't have an evacuation order in place, they will be worried about one coming. There are lots of people who are preemptively leaving their communities to prepare for exactly that. Because just like you said, you know, we saw it come last night and the worry is that it will come again uh, tonight as, you know, the potential changes come with the wind patterns and all of that. And that's going to lead to these real big concerns that, that so many in this community are feeling. Well, Richard, uh, stay safe. Uh, best of luck tonight. I'll let you get back to work. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Ben, thanks for having me. My pleasure as always. Nice to have you here on this Friday night. It's a really tense Friday night in uh, BC Southern Interior in and around Kelowna, home to uh, roughly 250,000 people. It's a popular spot in the summer. And just in the, today alone, uh, this massive McDougal Creek wildfire has grown exponentially again. There are many more thousands of people being ordered out of their homes. The BC uh, Premier order, uh, issued uh, a state of emergency or has declared a state of emergency province-wide. Uh, he did so late today in the last hour and a half or so because of the situation there. And of course, it's been a tense time for all those who've had to leave their homes already, uh, keeping their fingers crossed that their homes will be okay despite this very erratic fire being blown around by by high winds today. Uh, it has grown so much in size that the numbers that I had written down just before six o'clock Pacific time, so about an hour and a, but nearly two hours ago, are now out of date. It's up around, uh, I think there are 15,000 people now who've been um, ordered to out of their homes, up from 4,500 earlier today, 20,000 people on evacuation alert, and the fire itself is now 10,500 hectares. It was only 6,500 a little earlier, and you know, just tiny, tiny about 48 hours ago. Uh, one of those people, um, 
who's left is um, joins me now. There are many, of course. Angus Dunlop was evacuated from West Kelowna last night. Angus, thanks so much for your time tonight. Uh, no problem, Ben. Thank you for your concern. Yeah, t- tell me a bit about about what it's like this evening. I, I realized last night was was the, the, the scenes of, from last night were hard to describe, and I, I imagine there's some fear that tonight's going to be the same or worse. Well, those are the indicators that it's it's the same or worse. Personally, it's a it's mitigated a little bit in in that we're not in the throes of scrambling around the house and and right. looking out the window for flames and things. We're distant of being the other side of Okanagan Lake in, in Kelowna. So it's less frantic. Tell me a bit about that, uh, about that last night, because it sounded, I, mean, I know there's others going through this evening, but it sounded frantic and it's, you know, I've talked to lots of people who've gone through this and, you know, you sort of check, check your alerts uh, every, all the time until the word comes that you got to pack up and go. Absolutely. We, we did have the luxury of time a, a little bit that, you know, to, to pack things up, but you're always looking over your shoulder and out living room windows to see what the real time impacts are and not just, uh, you know, what the alerts say. And it, it, it was frantic and, and square, scary, to be quite frank. Yeah. I, I, tell me a bit about your situation in, in, in Kelowna. I mean, this must change everything for you in the short term. Well, it, it does. You, you, you tend to put some things on hold while you, well, while you figure out whether you've got a home to go back to in the next few days. Some friends we know already don't, and and uh, right. thankfully, currently, because of the, the the power that hydro has restored to the property, and, and my security cameras are on, I I know that house is still standing right now. Right, I, I gather that's been something that a lot of people are doing is using their security cameras to try to keep an eye on their homes. Uh, absolutely. Some friends are, that don't have them are trying to connect with, um, you know, neighbors that are on social media and say, hey, is, is, is your front driveway still there? And wow. so that, that's a, the way the, the things are connecting. Yeah, I, I've heard other people talk about this as well. And, and you talk about it in a matter of fact way, but what other way is there to talk about it? Right. You can't. Uh, I mean, this is everyone is going through the same experience right now. Yes, it is. I, I'm, I'm a bit more pragmatic than some other family members that who are justifiably stressed at all this. There's very little we can do about it. It's just managing the outcome and dealing with it. You know, there's nothing else we can do. Yeah, I, I noticed that there's already been some, you know, Lake Okanagan Resort is gone. There's already been some significant changes to the landscape. Uh, I mean, one, I don't know if you've been there for previous wildfires or not, uh, but, but I mean, th- th- what, a, what a devastating impact they can have uh, so very quickly. Well, yes, I, um, we, we've been in that house for, for 20 plus years. So we were there right. in 2003, which was the first major firestorm that, that blew through but we've been through subsequent ones that are smaller in size but sometimes not less in impact um because you know every one of those circumstances is is stressful but sure lake okanagan resort i understand is is uh, scorched and and you know that's been a, an icon in the landscape in the okanagan for years Tell me a bit about the comparisons. I know it's hard to, to compare things but but back to 2003 uh, how does this one how does this one compare well, oddly, we were on the West Kelowna side of the lake and, and as pedestrians just watched it and right. it was surreal going, oh my God, I know people um, in that neighborhood. I hope they're all safe. But we were looking at it um, almost like a TV show or, or a newscast. It was just something going on over there. And now it's the exact 
opposite with the same circumstance that, uh, you know, those neighborhoods are looking at us. And, and last night saw that, you know, the devastation that, that uh, reached across the landscape. Right. I know it's starting to get, uh, it should be starting to get dark pretty soon there around 810 or so. Uh, what's, what's it like now? Where are you? Well, I'm in the southern neighborhoods of, of Kelowna. So for any of your listeners that know the, the area sort of south of the hospital near the El Dorado Hotel um, right. in, in South Kelowna. And at noon today, the skies were blue and we could just see the, the plumes of smoke streaking north up Okanagan Lake um, towards the areas that were devastated last night. Uh, in mid-afternoon, the, the winds substantially changed into uh, sort of out of the northwest and are now blowing across into Kelowna proper and, and the skies are cloudy and there's ash all over the, the boat and the, and the stuff that we dragged out of our neighborhood. Yeah. What, what, do, what do you bring? What do you bring when you go? Because I realize these days, I mean, I was speaking to someone earlier who said, you know, they, it used to be you'd pack up your documents and so on, but that doesn't really, isn't really necessary anymore. What do you try to bring with you, not knowing when you're going to get to go back? Well, we looked at it as what isn't replaceable. You know, most of the photos we have digital versions of, and so you can reprint them at London Drugs. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. There's some lots of cherished family heirlooms, things that have existed pre-internet that, you know, aren't stored digitally, uh, and things that you use every day. Obviously, you know, medications that you'd have to, deal with and laptops uh, because we do everything on on laptops and uh, my wife and I just looked around for stuff that we're touching every day grab that and throw it in a box because we'll probably want to touch it tomorrow yeah uh, what, what are your plans now for the next uh, 24 48 hours you're just going to sit sit put as long as you can is there any plans to leave altogether no I, I think we're far enough away and we're in a you know a downtown neighborhood that you I believe is um, somewhat insulated from further impact on things. So we're going to stay in Kelowna certainly because that's where our life is. And we get up every morning and check the news feeds and, and see if things are still standing and, and what the new universe looks like. Well, Angus, uh, obviously uh, hope everything is, turns out okay, right? Hope against hope. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for your concern about uh, Kelowna, and, and uh, good night to you. Well, thanks for being here on this Friday night, a very tense Friday night in and around Kelowna this evening. Uh, the wildfire there, the McDougal Creek fire, and others believed to be related to it. It is uh, so, such a big and intense fire that other fires have sprung up in and around it, it's believed. has really grown today to 10,500 hectares. It was only about 6,500 uh, earlier today, or at least that was at last reports, and it was just tiny. Uh, so it's grown exponentially over the last uh, 24, 36 hours or so. And a lot of people on on the move. There are thousands of people already evacuated and now a further 20,000, it's about 15,000 people uh, have now been put under evacuation order in and around Kelowna up from 4,500 earlier today and a further 20,000 people are under evacuation alert tonight because the fire there is just so um, 
intense and and unpredictable. Uh, David Eby, the BC Premier, announced a province-wide state of emergency in the last few hours, calling the situation unprecedented. And of course, uh, we may remember, you may have seen those images online from last night's uh, situation in and around West Kelowna uh, with just the night sky just lit up by this intense fire that was burning. Uh, the sun is about to set in Kelowna 810 um, at this time of year, August 18th. And again, those those images were hard to forget. Uh, this morning, uh, West Kelowna's fire chief spoke to the media, Chief Jason Broland, talked a bit about what it was like last night in and around those flames. I turned today because of the orange glow uh, of the clouds um, and the fire that was happening. Uh, and the firefighters who fought that fire held that ground. Uh, they saved homes uh, too numerous to list uh, in West Kelowna estates. Of course, that fire fighting continued today, will continue tonight. Uh, it has been a really difficult one to tackle, let alone try just to protect structures from what's happening. One person who witnessed the fire uh, absolutely explode in size last night was videographer and former wildland firefighter Kyle Britton. Uh, he captured images that show the entire hillsides engulfed in flame. The sky over Kelowna more orange than black, really, at times last night. Uh, Kyle has seen his share of massive fires this summer and in the past. We spoke to him back in May when he was in Alberta covering the devastating wildfires there, and he's back with us now. Kyle, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. You were on vacation, right? You were on holiday when this happened. Uh, I mean, those images, those images are absolutely unforgettable. And that's just through the camera lens. I can't imagine what they were like in person. Yeah, you know, I'm on vacation in the Okanagan Valley and we anticipated the potential for something like this happening given the last few days have been just incredibly hot, dry. And then Thursday, we just saw the potential for some really strong winds picking up. So I packed my camera equipment along with me and it turns out, unfortunately, uh, we had a worst-case scenario unfold yesterday with those really strong winds. It was just something absolutely remarkable to witness. I've seen numerous wildfires in my time, and uh, this was by far the most stressful experience I've had documenting a wildfire, just because, I mean, it's just impacting so many people. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you're not there, I mean, especially at night, it's hard to tell what an area around a wildfire looks like. I mean, you had some remarkable images from Alberta earlier this year, but those were in areas that were relatively, uh, you know, loose, lightly populated. This is a busy place, and it's especially a busy place in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was I was documenting it at night as well. Uh, and so, like we were hearing the fire chief talking about uh, night becoming like day, we've had both uh, encounters with day becoming like night due to smoke at times in the Okanagan as well, uh, it, at least back in 2021. And I mean, this seems to be becoming somewhat of a theme here, unfortunately, in the Southern Interior, 2017, 2018, 2021, and now 2023. Uh, it just, we're seeing these types of things happening again and again. Yeah, being on the ground there is something else. I mean, we had, you know, in the Okanagan Valley, like any mountainous terrain, you can get up high on any viewpoint and, and have a fairly decent view. We had people, hundreds, thousands of spectators just around the Kelowna area watching this unfold, this unprecedented situation unfold. I mean, Kelowna, similar time of the year, 20, uh, 2003, had the, the Okanagan Mountain Fire as well, just south of the city. So, I mean, certainly uh, we do see wildfire activity here increasingly so in the, in the Okanagan Valley. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, just very, very devastating, very fast-moving fire. It was very much wind-driven event. It hit the lake 
um, very quickly. I mean, it was detected, I believe, on the 16th. So, I mean, it went from nothing to a gigantic uh, firestorm in just a matter of a couple of days. Yeah, I, I think it was something like, I'm I trying to remember the exact number because there's been so many numbers changing, but it, it started off at like 65 hectares and now it's up at, you know, you know above 10,000. And that just gives you an idea of, of the power of it. When you see this though, I mean, you also, and with your experience as a firefighter, you must also look at what's happening and think that is going to be a very tough fire to fight. Absolutely. I mean, that's, it was up high on the mountains, kind of west of Kelowna, but it quickly ran. It was amazing because typically what happens with these wildfires is in steep terrain, you get really erratic uh, fire behavior. But as, as, you know, fires progress downslope, they don't move as quickly as when they're pro- progressing upslope. So it was just incredible to see it running downslope so fast. And again, that was very much the result of it being wind-driven, and we saw what's called rank five, rank six fire behavior, basically just very, very high flame lengths, incredibly powerful radiant heat coming off these flames. Therefore, you just can't get anywhere near it on the ground. You can't get uh, firefighter, wild, wildland firefighting crews anywhere near that type of fire behavior. At night, of course, as well, you can't get aircraft in the air. And even during the day, uh, I saw the air tanker groups kind of out there laying down strips of fire retardant to try to stop this fire before it got there. But it just did nothing. I mean, it's like spitting on a campfire when this fire is so intense. It's just, it's just a horrible thing to sit back and see and just not be able to stop it. Yeah, I mean that we saw spot fires all over the place today. I mean that's that's the other danger here too is that the embers I gather they don't know the exact causes of all the different spot fires, but the embers are clearly falling and setting fires of their own. And you were just there, the terrain. I can't imagine it's very dry where I am on Vancouver Island. I can't imagine what it's like there because it's been hotter and drier for longer. Absolutely, just crispy. You walk around. The grass is just crispy. The, the, you, it's really dusty. Like, you can tell there's no moisture in the ground. And, yeah, so, I mean, that's part of the reason why these spot fires are so prolific is that you, what you need is, like, a flaming ember, some sort of a chunk of, you know, tree bark or a pine cone or something that gets lofted by these very powerful updrafts in these fires. And, of course, there's strong winds driving it. So that can actually cause what's called long-range spotting. That's when you get these embers traveling more than two kilometers or so. And that's, of wow. course, the distance across Lake Okanagan. So... When it lands on receptive fuels on the other side, it, can, it, it, it was completely downwind of the fire. So it seems like it was likely that these were all spot fires as a result of the main fire on the west side of the lake. You must have some concerns about tonight. We were just talking to Global News reporter Richard Zussman, who's there, of course. As you mentioned, they can't fly. Uh, the water you can't fly at night, so that stops. And then I guess when that happens, uh, the fire takes advantage, as it did last night. Yeah, and, and, you know, peak burning conditions tend to occur in the late afternoon during the peak heating of the day. Temperatures are highest, relative humidity is the lowest, and the winds are the gustiest. So at night, you do get a little bit of recovery. That was not the case last night because we had an approaching cold front. So just, uh, you know, meteorologically speaking, it was a very active environment. But tonight, behind the cold front, we're going to start to finally see these winds dying down. So, you know, even though we're not getting the rains we desperately need here, temperatures will be a little cooler and the winds will be lighter. So, you know, we've still got a very serious situation on our hands with the numerous out-of-control large wildfires across the southern interior, but at least those winds that have been driving this entire event are going to start to die down. We might start to get the upper hand on some of these fires that are just ravaging these uh, wildland-urban interface areas of the southern interior. 
Yeah, take me a bit through what the strategy would be then, because you're faced with the, you know, just the topography of, of Kelowna, given the mountains surrounding the lake and so on, feels like it's very hard to get anything done. And at the same time, they don't have unlimited resources, right? I mean, this everyone's very stretched thin this summer, given what's been going on. Exactly. And they're going to be prioritizing those, those interests that are, you know, first and foremost, human life and community. So, you know, unfortunately, if you have a fire flap, like with a number of wildfires going across the province, they, like you say, they have uh, limited resources and they have to allocate those according to the highest priority, which can change in real time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can get aircraft in the air, the problem with the lighter winds is we're going to start to see that smoke building up again, the decreases in air quality, decreases in visibility. In some cases, the visibility is too bad that you can't fly either. But at least that'll mean that it, you know, got a bit of a buffer in terms of daytime heating. It stays a little bit cooler. So, if the winds are lighter, the temperature's a little bit cooler. It's going to be, uh, you know, conventional ground, uh, ground crew kind of working on the ground, trying to contain those, uh, you know, the fire perimeter where it's not really aggressive and just kind of trying to cut it off from there on the ground, uh, doing the best that you possibly can. You might, you might get some uh, heavy equipment in there trying to cut fire guard, some, you know, fuel breaks across the terrain. Uh, but in general, yeah, I mean, it gets really tricky when you get into that really t- technical, complex, steep terrain that's where it gets really hard to, to action these fires. Yeah, and uh, Richard Zussman was telling us earlier, he was speaking to the to the West Kelowna Fire Chief, or listening to him at least earlier, and, and said that even the stuff they had done to prepare for this ended up being for naught, because, no, well, not for naught, but the fire was reacting in such a way that even the protections they had built in or the buffers they had built in just weren't working. Yeah, it's just incredibly humbling, especially as a wildland firefighter or anyone engaging in firefighting. You know, we had municipal, all hands on deck with the municipal fire department. Uh, you know, we had, like I say, the, the fire air tankers, huge air tankers were dropping uh, long strips of, of fire retardant on the mountainside, and that fire just charged right over top of it. Again, all it has to happen is a spot fire pops out ahead of it, and that that control line is all for naught. So, like I say, the good news here is that we're going to see that decrease in wind speed and that will certainly help. It's been the winds that's been really driving this entire event in the southern interior. Videographer and former wildland firefighter Kyle Britton is with us this half hour. He witnessed uh, the explosion of this wildfire in West Kelowna last night that continues to cause so much concern there. Uh, more and more people, thousands more, ordered out of their homes today. There's a provincial state of emergency that's been declared by the Premier. That happened late today as well. Uh, Kyle, one of the things that I found, again, I was listening to the fire chief uh, talk about what they experienced last night, and that's just the danger to the firefighters. He said one of, of course, one of the fears that he has, the biggest fears he has, there was some, I think at some point, some firefighters trapped, as always, trying to go get rescue people who didn't leave their homes. This must be a huge concern as well. Yeah, that's certainly a factor, especially for structural firefighters, uh, you know, with as a result of the, the municipal firefighters, fire departments that have to actually go in and deal with structure fires. And it gets really complicated when you get into that wildland urban interface, because not only do you have wildland fire, but you also have structure fire, and that presents a whole different set of hazards. So wildland firefighting crews don't tend to have the training uh, to get in and, and get close to these structures. That's usually left to the uh, municipal fire department. So they kind of have to work in tandem together. But certainly, I mean, you're dealing with significant fire from all sides when you're when you're in these wildland urban interface areas so this is a part of life in the interior of bc where we have many numerous communities built deeply into the wildland and so yeah i mean it's a, it's a certainly a complex kind of combination of, of factors 
Yeah, I, I and and just we you know you we I, when we spoke to you last back in May, you were in Alberta. Of course, I follow you on social media, so I know you've been in many places since. I mean, this has been an unprecedented year, but it feels like there must be some lessons to be learned here. I don't know if we can learn them uh, while this is still going on, but it feels like we need to learn something from this this year. Oh, you know, it's it seems like the way of the future. Uh, you know, in terms of you know, if we do end up getting these these longer, hotter summers, you have a you have a more widespread, longer, hotter fire season, and we've been seeing that this year. It's just unprecedented across the country with over 13 million hectares burned already, and you know, mass evacuations in many different parts of the country. It's just incredible to see what's been happening. So, I mean, in some cases, it's 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 more of an existential question of what we can do, but. I mean, in terms of if you live in wildland urban interface areas, of course, most folks are aware that they shouldn't be flicking cigarette butts out the window. You have to be very careful with where you park your vehicle and dry grasses. Uh, you know, ma- machinery sparks can occur. Uh, you know, we have to be really, really careful when we have these extremely tender, dry conditions. And of course, fire smart principles are always important as well, making sure you have uh, very little in the way of flammable material sitting around in your yard. Um, and, and so, you know, there's certain things we can do to mitigate wildfire. We certainly can prevent, uh, you know, human-caused wildfires in the cases where there's uh, a large percentage of all wildfires are accidentally human-caused. If we were more careful in many different ways, uh, we could certainly prevent so many of these wildfires from starting. But we have other, you know, other factors that like, you know, very strong winds interacting with trees that can touch power lines. Uh, of course, lightning in, in remote areas. Uh, we had a number of these fires in, the, in BC are also lightning caused. So, you know, lightning and then a strong wind, if it's a dry lightning event, you know, that's completely out of our control. So there's certain things that we can mitigate, but there's other things that uh, it seems like it's, you know, kind of the horses out of the barn. Right. And it feels like we need to beef up our wildland firefighting um, structure, period. Yeah, I mean, that you, you could make that argument, and it always comes down to government funding, but, I mean, uh, you certainly could make that argument. Like I say, it's human power is, is always going to have its limits. I mean, you, you can right. buy more air tankers, you can have more wildland fire crews, but we still have to contend with the fact that nature is going to be nature. You know, these wildland fires, if you've got uh, a fire moving really rapidly, through the upper canopy of a forest and that fire is burning really intensely, there's not much you can do to stop it. Yeah. I mean, as you put it, spitting on a campfire, right? Exactly. Well, Kyle, as always, thank you so much for your time and your expertise on this. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. We've been uh, spending the evening. We started in Yellowknife, of course, a ghost town tonight after massive evacuations there. 19,000 people have left that uh, that city uh, in the last 48 hours. And then we moved on uh, south by southwest of there, about 1,400 kilometers to the interior of BC, the southern interior, the Okanagan Valley, and of course, Kelowna, a city that you may have been to, that you may know. Certainly, if you're in BC, you've probably been there before. It's a really busy spot in, uh, in the summer, one of the fastest growing communities as well uh, in the area, in the province. About 235,000 people call the greater Kelowna area home and about 150,000 people in the city itself. And it has been a very tense uh, 36, 24, 36 hours there. And again, tonight, the sun set about 20, it was started to set, but it was 810, I think, was the sun setting tonight. And last night, some of those images uh, from uh, West Kelowna were simply 
you know, hard to hard to comprehend. It uh, the night sky was lit up with the flames that were burning, and this started off as a relatively small fire, like sixty five hectares, about forty eight hours ago. It's up to ten thousand five hundred hectares now, and there's already been some pretty significant damage. Um, the historic Lake Okanagan Resort uh, apparently has been destroyed. Uh, a West Kelowna resident named Lee York says he watched the resort resort burn while he was boating on the lake. We went basically from the bridge all the way up to the resort. And once we got to the resort, it was it was blacker than unbelievable. And we saw the, the, the lower building start to burn and we could hear explosions and, you know, from hot water tanks and propane tanks. And um, it just was getting, the skies got really, really black. Water started getting rougher. So it was kind of really gloomy. There was nobody else out there. Yeah, I mean, there's been a number of structures destroyed. It's not clear how many. Uh, the term being used by the fire department is simply significant. Uh, they're so busy, they're hard, having a hard time keeping up with all of that. Uh, Emergency Management Management Minister in BC is Bowen Ma. She says the number of people under evacuation order in BC today went from 4,500 to 15,000 in a matter of an hour. Almost all of those, of course, in that area in and around Kelowna. A further 20,000 people are under evacuation alert tonight. She is urging residents in wildfire zones to be prepared to evacuate at a moment's notice. And she said, of course, she's distressed by what's going on in West Kelowna. Currently, there are more than 4,500 people under evacuation order and more than 23,500 people under evacuation alert across the province. If you are placed under an evacuation order, you must leave the area immediately. Please be prepared, have an emergency plan, and a grab-and-go kit ready for you, your family, and your pets. Of course, the numbers that she mentioned off the top there were updated a little later after she spoke earlier today. One of those who's left home is Steve Francis. He uh, lives in Rose Valley in West Kelowna, and he and his wife left their home last night with their pets and so on, amongst the many, many uh, who left yesterday, but also the increasing number who are on the move tonight. And he joins us now. Steve, thanks so much for your time. Uh, Good evening, and thank you for having me. Tell me a bit about what what it's like tonight. I believe the sun's probably just about done uh, down, yeah. and uh, everyone thinking back to last night and what just just what what it looked like. It, it's just hard to believe that uh, 24 hours uh, ago, uh, I, uh, my wife and I were in uh, the SKU lineup uh, for the BC Emergency uh, Services um, right. at uh, Royal LePage in West Kelowna. And, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Go ahead. And and it was just unbelievable uh, how. Uh, everything kind of started uh, when we got our alert earlier that afternoon. Um, my wife was able to take off work early and help uh, finish getting our grab-and-go uh, boxes, which, you know, we have been a resident uh, out in Rose Valley for pretty well between 23 and 24, 25 years. And um, so you get used to it every May and June by packing all your your gear, and you have one box where – you have all your baby booties and memorabilia and, uh, you know, coin collections, stamp collections, whatever, kids, kids stuff that, you, you know, you want to keep. And then you have another box where that's where all your important documents, like your passport, your tax information, birth certificates, uh, you know, all kinds of information on zip drives and stuff like that. So we had already had that and she was just getting more stuff ready and then getting we have uh, four SPCA rescues, three cats, and one big Great Dane dog. So she was getting right. all that arranged. By the time I got home, it was around five thirty, six o'clock. I was coming across the bridge, heading towards our home in uh, 
Rose Valley, and I knew just by looking at it because we had been evacuated over those years at least two times prior to it. I knew something was very, very strange about this fire. And by the time I was able to have some dinner, um, the alert came in, and, and we just had to get up and go. And we went right to the uh, the evac center at uh, Royal Page in, in West Colon. Right. I, I gather I was just looking at the map. Your place is quite a ways up, right? Out of out of town or sort of out of west, uh, out of west, uh, west Kelowna. Uh, where are you? Where are you tonight? Where where, where have you wound up? Uh, well, thank you. Um, and I, I'm sorry if I sound a little tired. It's been uh, unbelievable. No, no. Last 30, <laughs> 36 hours, no so. doubt. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, I was probably, uh, we were probably the last ones to, to uh, get the vouchers and then a place to stay. So we're, Staying in Kelowna, and we have some food vouchers. And the nice thing is about um, we were able to keep our pets with us. Uh, they are older pets, but it was uh, really nice. And everybody, I have to tell you right now, everyone went uh, out of the way uh, at the uh, uh, support and release center and the emergency center. I mean, our mayor, Gordon Milson, was there, and he was there to the wee hours of the night. Uh, our MLA, Ben Stewart, was there. Many of his officials, Salvation Army, was there. And it was really kind of a triage area where everyone can just kind of gather around and get registered. Um, by the time, uh, which was about a good solid six hours, just shy of six hours. So I got up. I was one of the last ones before they uh, shut the evacuation center down at 2 a.m. So around 1.30, 1.40, I got outside. And I have not seen the fires for a couple of hours. And I was devastated. And there was many people. And we just stood in awe uh, across from the Royal Page Center, looking straight onto our beautiful community of, of Rose Valley. It was, I was just floored. I was, there was no words. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, I, I heard, uh, some, uh, so you did an interview a little earlier in the day, I think, and you were talking about keeping an eye on your home through the security camera. Are you still able to do that? Yes, we are. And, and that, like I said, it's just uh, been an unbelievable um, blessing. It's it'd be, when registering for the BC Emergency Services, you also are, are allowed to uh, accept for updates coming directly from uh, BC Forestry and the BC Emergency Services. So we can get updates of what's going on as far as notices, evacuations, et cetera. But uh, everybody has some kind of home camera system for security, whether it's by the doorbell or up by the garage, and who would ever thought that um, the 477 members, we started this uh, Rose Valley Community Facebook page that was started uh, a couple of years ago that we used to use for social uh, interaction things and stuff like that, but now we're actually using it to communicate to each other, like, how's your property? Where do you live? Uh, I can see across the street, and someone else will say, okay, I'm down two blocks. I'm over on this street, and I'm looking at my side. And I still have power, and I can still see the front of my house, and I can see across the street. And that has taken on a whole different uh, social media aspect of how security cameras are now used as communication systems to emergency operations to say, okay, yeah, this area's good. How's your area? And we start piecing the puzzles of our district in Rose Valley. It's really quite uh, remarkable.
Right. And I mean, just because the information can't keep up, right? I mean, I was just listening to it today. Uh, you know, I was listening to it today and, and people just, they want to know. Uh, I was speaking with Global News reporter Richard Zussman earlier. He said people were coming up to him and saying, what's happening? What's happening to my area? And he thought, well, we don't know either, right? The, the lack of information right. is, such, is such an issue. Well, you know, I'm very good friends with our, our mayor, Gordon Nelson. I, I also, uh, with Paul, who is the uh, the uh, district manager for for the city of West Kelowna, and I had a chance to talk to them uh, both this morning, just on the status. And he says, Stephen, we can't pull people off the line right now. He says, today is another huge challenge day. This is probably going to be bigger than yesterday. And he said that to me at approximately 8.30 this morning. Wow. And uh, he was absolutely right. We had no idea that we were now in the multi-thousands of evacuees and other thousands on standby. And then, of course, the amount of structures. And, and so with social media and people starting to post, and then I found out uh, last night that a very good friend of mine who happens to also be my dentist, uh, his family lost their home. And then uh, wow. another, yeah, and then one of my youngest daughters, her friend lost their ranch last night. And... We also know that three more um, uh, homes went up uh, around our area. We are a little bit concerned tonight. I'll be quite honest with you. The fire has turned because of the winds and how unpredictable they can be. It has turned back on back to itself, but down lower. So it's kind of come back to our lower part of our Rose Valley Mountain area. Um, I just can't tell you when we were leaving uh, last night and, we can get to bed till like 3.30 after we got into the, the hotel here in Kelowna and put the, beds, the, the pets to bed. Coming across uh, that bridge and seeing the, this unbelievably fiery, long, terrible road and watching a candle and all the flames going to the sky, it just went on for kilometers and kilometers and kilometers. And then you're coming across the bridge and you're looking up towards Vernon and you just see it sloping down towards Bear Creek and off to Trader's Cove. And then you look over the lake and then you see this other glow and how that fire uh, basically traveled almost to just shy of two kilometers with his ash and started another fire now that's in north Kelowna, north Kelowna and now heading up to winfield and those people are in evacuation and non-notice it, it's unbelievable yeah i mean just watching it on the images of it it just looked like you know it looked like Kelowna and and Okanagan Lake it was just a sort of surrounded by fire uh Steve I, I I obviously wish you the absolute best of luck I hope that the news you get from those security cameras continues to be good news and uh, thank you so much I'll let you get some sleep it sounds like you've had a really long day I hope you can get some rest tonight well I just want to say thank you very much for your show and and your producer to reach out because uh by us telling our stories, you're helping us communicate with family and friends, uh, not only through British Columbia, but uh, all over Canada. And we have family also internationally uh, that will tap into your show and, and hear, hear, hear uh, my voice and, and know that uh, Steve and the family and my wife and I are okay. So thank you. And a great a big thank you uh, to all the men and women in the EMS services and the uh, RCMP and of course the firefighters and all the volunteers uh, forever in debt. Yeah, well put. That's Steve, thanks so much. Have a, have a great night, sir.
We've been in Kelowna for the past 90 minutes or so. Just uh, it's been it's a ten another tense Friday evening there. There are more evacuations taking place. About 15,000 people now have been ordered evacuated. Another 20,000 are on alert. And of course, there are many who have already been evacuated as that McDonald uh, McDougal Creek wildfire has grown to 10,500 hectares. And of course, the images from last night, uh, you know, the way that the fire was burning was simply uh, mesmerizing and terrifying all at once. One of the people who's had to leave home is Tannis Reed. Uh, she had to leave late last night from her home uh, in Quail Ridge, which is a little north of the city, and she joins me now. Tannis, thank you, thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Tell me a bit about uh, about tonight. Um, have you have you managed to sort of settle in and and just keep an eye on things? Uh, how are things there tonight? Um, yeah, well, we actually didn't get evacuated till about one o'clock today. Okay, but we're we're so oh eleven thirty this morning. Yes, sorry, sorry about yeah, that. Yes, eleven thirty yeah, this morning. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, but no, we're we're everybody's getting settled. Everybody's you know a little a little unnerved and and um, but we're we're lucky. We have family in the area that are out of the um, path of the fires. So yeah, okay. I, I mean, I guess I, I guess after watching what had happened last night, uh, so many people would have simply been checking to see when, if they were. You must have been. I oh, suspect yeah. you were probably pretty ready to go today, if need be. We were because we we went and watched the fire and I have video of it and we you know I you could tell I had friends who I saw their houses going up across the lake and or who I assumed and and the wind was crazy and it was kept changing directions so yeah we didn't I didn't sleep very much and made sure we were packed and ready to go this morning just in case even though we're you know considerably a long ways away but um, mm-hmm. yeah. It's still, still must be. It must be tough, right? It's always tough to sort of start to pack up and 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 you know you don't know when you're going to go back and and you don't know what the fire is going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we had family members having to go back and find pets and and um, the unnerving thing is is they stopped everybody from you know they made sure everybody was out, but then um, they were gone. You know, so there's of course they're moving on to the next neighborhood. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're watching our cameras and, and there's cars driving around in the neighborhood and things like that. And, um, you know, you know that there's no capacity for monitoring neighborhoods are expected to be gone, but that's a little bit unnerving. Yeah, I can imagine. I so many people using those security cameras to keep an eye on things, right? I mean, that must be one of the most uh, sort of disconcerting parts about it is that you, you've had to abandon your home and everyone knows that those areas are, are there's no one there right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, in our area, there's only one way in, one way out sort of thing. So um, that was also, it was, you know, when people are leaving, um, it's it's bumper to bumper, as as all neighborhoods are. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like tonight? I mean, I obviously, you you, were, you had the videos you were watching last night. I was, I, I saw a lot of the images mm-hmm. from last night. What's what's it been like this evening so far? Um, well, we're up in Black Mountain, which is quite a ways away, but the wind is really whipping. And um, it still has, so it's, it's you know, it, it clears up and then it gets smoky and I'm talking to family in Vernon and it's the same thing. And, um, you know, but I'm also seeing uh, posts of friends who are, who are really concerned or, you know, who have lost a house or know somebody's lost a house and everybody's kind of on edge. Yeah. And it's going to be, I mean, just, we don't know what's been destroyed yet. We don't know the full extent of no. stuff, but it sounds like there's going to be some, some real work to do as well when this is, when, when the smoke clears. It really does because, it, and, and I'm 
seeing how how it seems to have turned back in West Kelowna tonight, and I'm watching the evacuations and and you know know those neighborhoods well, and it's it's um yeah it it's people neighborhoods we thought were safe suddenly aren't. Yeah, you've been through, you've been through this before, I imagine, or at least something like this in the past. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, this is this is. You know, I wasn't there in two thousand and three. We actually loaned our house to somebody back then. Um, right. But when we came back, you know, a couple months later, it was our our house was just covered in ash. We started to get ash at our house uh, yesterday at about oh, I don't know three o'clock in the afternoon. And oh, wow. um, yeah, so lots of lots of big chunks, and people are posting pictures about how far away they're they're seeing debris land. So that's you know that's another um, concern, but you know you can only do what you can do. Yeah, and I guess a lot of a lot of appreciation for all those out fighting those fires tonight as well. I suspect. Oh, I've I've got friends whose whose spouses are are firefighters, and they're they're just. You know they're just working round the clock, and I, I saw a friend post, and they had to evacuate, and mm-hmm. the same person that was standing there at midnight helping them get out was still on guard at eight o'clock this morning, and you know they're just—I just can't imagine the stamina, and and truly, it's—it's it's like you have to have a certain spirit, a certain community volunteer, sort of a heroic spirit to to put yourself in these kind of positions. And it's for the yeah. greater good, but it's it's quite quite the person that would do that for us. Well, Tannis, I, I hope everything is okay with your home in Quail Ridge um, and that you get yeah. to go back soon. Uh, and I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much. Take care. Bye.